Hey there, welcome to the Classical Liberal Project. My name is Danielle. I'm here with Jonathan Casey, chair of the Classical Liberal Caucus. Hello, hello. And Ryan Graham here with uh, LP Georgia. Yep. And hey. we're going to talk to Ryan a little bit about what's going on down in Georgia, his, uh, what he's been doing with the party, what he wants to see the party doing, and maybe uh, touch on his race for lieutenant governor as well. So cool. welcome, Ryan. Sounds good. Thanks for having many, me on. How many, uh, what was your vote count? Uh, oh, for boy. Oh, my God. You know what? You, you should have had me close. Go. <laughs> yeah, they should have had me go look it up beforehand. Uh, like 80,000 some odd votes. Oh, okay. nice. yeah, 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 something like that. Um, I was the highest vote getter, no, second highest vote getter, I think, that wasn't. Uh, um, so Ted, Ted Metz actually ran for Secretary of State here, and there was a lot of um, uh, drama in within the Republican Party about the Republican candidate who was the sitting Secretary of State. And so he got a lot of uh, like, MAGA vote, honestly. Okay. Okay. Kind of siphoned off some people. Yeah. Cause you know, they, our secretary of state is like, um, there was like a phone call where he, you know, Trump said, you got to find some amount of votes and then he refused to do it. And so all right. the Trump people like hate him. And so they just went, you know, if they, they might've voted for Kemp and they might've voted for my opponent. But then when they got the secretary of state, they were like, no way. <laughs> Brad Raffensperger? Yeah, Raffensperger. Yes. Yeah, I remember I remember hearing about that phone call and I know that Trump's still under investigation of some sort. Yeah, they're they're that actually they're they're investigating it here. Our DA did a grand jury and there was a uh, there was a whole investigation and that is going to get those indictments will come down sometime soon. And they they have made recommendations. The special yep. purpose jury is done. Yep. And yep. the Atlanta Journal-Constitution did a really good podcast about it. I followed yep. it. Uh. <laughs> they're 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 okay on some things yeah um, you know i love the investigative stuff yeah and and honestly like <clears throat> when i was running for office i built up a really good relationship with the reporter from the ajc who was covering the lieutenant governor's race um and you know to the point where I didn't do it, but she, you know, she was like, Hey, we should meet up somewhere and like have a discussion about whatever. Or if you're having events and the way I ran my campaign, I didn't like plan a lot of events. I, I went to other people because the whole point was to, you know, talk to other folks uh, outside of the party. So I didn't do a lot of rah, rah campaign party uh, type stuff. And uh, so I, you know, she didn't get to come to any of those things, but we had a, a couple of really good conversations. So how did I, one thing I did notice is kind of an outside observer looking at the the Georgia elections between you and Chase Oliver, I felt like you guys got more media attention. Obviously, Chase with the runoff, but even prior to the runoff, you guys really got a lot more media attention than a lot of libertarians get around the country. You both were in the debates. How how do you how you know what would you tell other libertarians trying to trying to to get that same attention from media? Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> so for. For me, one of the strategies was um, once I knew who the reporter who was covering my race was, um, she got, you know, she got DMs about stuff. I I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do a press release uh, a little bit later about this thing. Um, be on here. Here's a copy of it beforehand. And it's going to go out, you know, this afternoon or something. And so, I, would, you know, I'd send her stuff early um, and I would just kind of talk to her about things, you know, and, and she got to the point where she'd just text me and be like, hey, what, you know, can you give me a quote on whatever topic? Um, and I could always give her one real quick. And so, like, she just included me in all of her pieces, um, except for one, uh, which is fine. Um, she said she included me, but her editor took me out. So, um, but yeah, just building up a, a good personal relationship with the people who are going to cover you. Um, that was that was what it was. And then, 
The other thing I did was instead of doing big, long, drawn out press releases, big page long, whatever, um, things like that, I, I would just um, get a quick and dirty something out. Just uh, here's my quote on the thing. Um, and it would be like literally, you know, a couple lines. And it's just like, here you go. And um, people would pick that up. And I, I did really well with it. And it, I didn't have to stress about like making a formal press release. And uh, I think people, I think reporters like that. I don't know. They, no one told me that, but I, I think they do. <laughs> I've heard I mean, that too. <laughs> they, they, they want you to just give them the story. They'll, they'll print it as if you make their life easy. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they don't want to work very hard, <laughs> just like the rest of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think our attention spans, our attention spans have gotten so short that anything beyond a paragraph is is too much, right? Oh yeah. Pro yeah, yeah, and it, it, third party, you know, I mean, they're already looking for a reason not to cover me, and if they have to read a ton of stuff before they can get to what I want to say, then I'm not doing my job right. <laughs> Yeah. How did you get into the debate? How did you and Chase and Shane, get, uh, Shane Hazel, the governor? How did yeah? You so in Georgia, the the, um, the uh, Georgia Pu Public Broadcasting um, does a debate or GPB. Yeah, GPB does a debate every year, and uh, they always include. It's the Atlanta Press Club and GPB, and they always include everybody on the ballot. So um, I had a conversation with one of the Atlanta Press Club board. I think it was the board co-chair, um, Rahul Bali, uh, and I. I told him, you know, thank you for always inviting us. And he's like, as long as I'm on the board, every every candidate who is on the ballot will be in these debates. So um, that they've committed to it, and as long as I've been involved, we've we've been included in those debates. Um, and and if if we were solo, we'd we'd be the only one up there. Like if if we were the only ones to say yes, they they'd just put us up there. So um, do you think yeah, that's really a, good. do you think that that it, having a runoff election? Do you think that that's that helps kind of push media, you know, uh, mainstream media to kind of have a, a more inclusive debate because what, because it is, you know, it, it does a runoff, having a runoff does make the, the you know, third party vote, a, it changes how important that third party vote is. Um, You know, I don't know. They, they claim they don't like it, um, but they make so much money off runoffs. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, I mean, I guess the reporters don't see that money, right? They just get paid their salary no matter what, but I don't know. It, it It's sort of weird. I, I don't know how much of a part that plays in it. I think that, um, you know, I wasn't around, but I think there was some litigation or threats of litigation because GPB is a public company, right? They, they receive federal, uh, funding, uh, public funding. And, um, and so like some 14th Amendment equality under the law, uh, equal protection stuff, um, I, I'm pretty sure that played a part. So they, gotcha. they, there is also like some some government strong arming <laughs> a little bit, but the <clears throat> so like you know you'll know Shane and um, Chase were not invited to the private media um, debates. They were not you know they weren't included in those. So, gotcha. How did you prepare for the debate? What did you did? Do you have any of the questions up hand? Do you just kind of look at what previous debates had talked about? How do you prepare for something like that? <laughs> um, I don't prepare very well. I'll tell you what. Um, no, <clears throat> you know, just the certain topics. So like I had, um, I had a statement on abortion uh, written down. Um, I had uh, my opening and closing written down. Uh, those were my two weakest things I thought in my debate, because um, I did not memorize them. I, you know, you sh I sh it's a two minute intro and two minute outro. Um, if anyone's listening that this needs to prep for a debate, like if you if you have it handed to you, have it memorized. Don't don't read it. 
it, it, I, I rewatched it and I'm just like, man, I, that was the crappy part. Um, and then uh, I'll tell you what, I get really nervous, um, really nervous. Uh, and when you're there, uh, I don't know if you guys have done, uh, well, I guess, Jonathan, I know you've done a, <laughs> a public debate. Um, yep. <laughs> I was, I mean, I could see that they were nervous too, but I was like, I, I took a beta blocker beforehand. Um, and <laughs> so I could like calm down and I don't know, but the off the cuff things, I, I, I really, I think I did better the, when, when they asked me a question and I wasn't sure what it is. Um, the thing that's good about that and about being a libertarian is it is kind of easy to, even if you don't 100% know the answer, um, to go back to your first principles and just answer it the way that you might think it should be answered in a libertarian way, right? Get the government out of it and it, it, whatever the individualist part of it is. I mean, there's, there's always a way to relate it back to libertarianism and um, get that word out there. Yeah. Now, now you said you didn't have a lot of like formal events. How did you reach voters? What was your, what were your tactics to? Uh, yes to everything I got invited to. Uh, All right. <laughs> Yeah, so if I got invited to a forum, I went, um, and I was very often the only statewide candidate um, from any uh, party at a lot of these events. And people would come up and talk to me and say, "I've never heard of you guys. What are you? What are you all about?" And I'm like, "Well, what's important to you? I'll talk about that." And just, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, "You know, you, I didn't know what a libertarian was before you. Um, I, I think your ideas are great. Uh, I'm, I'm a Democrat, so I'm voting Democrat, or I'm a Republican, so I'm voting Republican. But man, this has been a great conversation. Um, and you know, it, it sort of like reinvigorates you. you. You know, you do like the social media stuff that kind of turns toxic sometimes, or it's just kind of hard to carry on conversations with people in a good, meaningful way. Um, but when you, when you're like face to face with people, um, I, you really feel like you're moving the needle and maybe you're moving it less. I don't know, but it, it feels really good. You know, it feels it's, it, it charges the battery. <laughs> no, no, I hear I, that from a lot of candidates. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 uh, after the Zoho debate, I was nervous just like you. Yeah. Um, but after the Zoho debate, I talked to a lot of people that came up to me and said, "Listen, you really you changed my mind on this." Yeah. And that is a yeah, you did real, that really is, well. That that is a really powerful thing to hear. You know, I, I that was one thing I just didn't I didn't expect to I didn't know what to expect after the debate, right? Um, and I and I had a lot of people. Come, I mean, a dozen people come up after the debate saying, "I you know I came into this debate supporting national divorce. Now I'm on the other side of that." And so it is. It's really powerful when you know that you've you've planted a seed in somebody's mind. You've given them some. You know, a different way to look at things. Yeah. Um, I, I really think that that's a really, <clears throat> excuse me, a really powerful thing when you can actually impact people, even just a little bit. They came to, you know, they came to a, a, an event for you. They came to a debate for me, whatever it is. When you can actually speak to people, that's a that's a really powerful thing. And I think that we, we, we have to find ways to make our ideas viral, right? Not just yeah. social media wise, but talking to people. People like to share ideas. They talk to each other. You know, you hear you hear it all the time in your workplace, wherever you hear people talking about the news, about what they've heard, about they they've seen. And if we can if we can get you know those kind of positive viruses, the the talking to each other mm -hmm. viruses going, that really is far more impactful uh, than getting something virtually uh, virtually trending. Well, and we do we just have like a fundamentally different way to look at things, um, and so people I think appreciate hearing that third perspective on something that's like out of the mainstream uh, our answer is really like what are we arguing about this for the government shouldn't be doing it or or something they're like 
you know what? That's true. What What's happening? <laughs> you know? I love that you approach people with a question first where they're like, tell me about you. And you're like, okay, but what's important to you? Like, cause that is yeah. what you, how you're going to reach people. Right. Yep. Yeah. Like I had people that talked about. about education. Um, and I, you know, I was big on, uh, well, school choice was like as a first step, um, to educational freedom. And I, I talked to some teachers who were not for school choice, but when I said, you know, you should control your classroom and not be told what your curriculum is, you know, you should have a lot of uh, freedom because you're, you're the expert, right? You, you're the one that was hired to, uh, because you're, you were educated in education. Um, you're the professional, you're the expert. Uh, you should have a lot more freedom and politicians shouldn't be telling you what to do in your classroom. And they were like, you you are 100% correct. <laughs> and so they, they, it's hard to get people to get that and then also, um, you know, don't vote Democrat because they want to control you. They don't, you know, you got to find a way to thread the needle, connect those dots without attacking um, so that you can win them over. And so that that's always a fun time. <laughs> yeah. no, I think te teachers know, teachers see the bureaucracy that they're in. They know the problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can look at the, I mean, you can just look at the statistics on how, you know, ratio of teachers to administrators and administrators just, you know, balloon to many times the number of, of teachers. So I think if you'd speak to them on that level and talk, figure out what people are looking for, figuring out what, what issues they have in the classroom and show them, Hey, this is an, this is a solution for you. Yeah. I think that would make a, make a big difference for a lot of, a lot of teachers. Yeah. So you were also the chair of the uh, LP Georgia. How long were you a chair? Um, for like two and a half to four years, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so it was sort of weird be uh, because I, when I was vice chair, I, um, our, our chair actually went into the hospital um, for some surgery and I ended up sort of taking over for a little while then. And then I ran for chair. And got it. So I, I sort of think there's overlap on that side. And then I resigned early last year um, during the campaign and, you know, after uh, stuff happened. So <laughs> one thing I saw you mention the other day on Twitter was how you you would kind of, you were kind of, you know, reflecting a little bit. You had said something to the effect of you would wish you'd been able to train people up into leadership behind you. And that's one yeah. of the things that I, I try to do as a chair. And it's it's difficult you know, it's difficult in different situations, but I think it's, it's really important. It's a really important aspect of leadership is bringing on younger leaders, bringing them in, bringing, showing them the ropes where, how do you, where do you, where would you have started? Where would you have liked to go back and say, okay, this is where I would have done. This is what I would have done differently. Well, honestly, it's just hard to find people. Um, cause I would poke and prod and be like, Hey, I think you'd, you know, you'd make good leadership in the future. Um, you know, what, what do you think about that? And most people are like, heck no. Um, right off the bat, people are like, nah, you know, and, and the only reason I was chair, cause I, I raised my hand and said, you know, I've, I, I, I want it. Um, because I, I think I have a positive vision, but I don't really want to do it. And my whole idea about being chair was to build it into an organization that could have somebody that actually had experience that to want it, right? So like that was, I wanted to build it into something that somebody more capable than me wanted to be in charge of because we're, we were at such a point where it's just like, um, you know, there's just not a lot of people raising their hands, so. Um, but yeah, I, I would go around and I try to find people. Um, a lot of them said no; um, they weren't interested. Uh, we're we're finding some of those people saying yes now, uh, which is good. But you know, I didn't get to put them under my wing quite as much as I'd like. Um, and I I think 
one of the most important things a chair can do is figure out their succession um, and try to get people in a good place to continue any momentum that you've got going. Uh, and I, I mean, that's what I, that was what I tweeted the other day is that I failed at that. I did a bad job. <laughs> that's what I wish I would have done better at. My entire County disappeared this year. We just, we just shut it down. So don't feel bad. Yeah. I was vice chair <laughs> Yep. and treasurer right before that happened. Yeah, it happens. Um, it, it's hard. It's hard too because we gotta. Um, we we want to have people who are you know professional and have these skills already. Um, but typically, people that come to the LP, you know, they don't have those skills because if they did, they would have. It would be because they were a Republican or a Democrat that's active um, and really is passionate about those things. And so, usually, you don't have those people with those skills come over to us. Uh, we have to get them while we're in the party. I mean, we roll with the punches, right? We're just like, what's next? Okay, let's figure this out. <laughs> How do I plan an event? I don't know. Let's just do it, you know? <laughs> we are very reactive and not so much proactive. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And we're we're all learning on the job. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, for, for a while there, there was a lot of, you know, it was pretty even, even sailing for a long time in, in LP Georgia. And then I know that you resigned and kind of, you feel like, you know, some things have hit, hit the rock, some rough seas uh, recently. You want to kind of go into that and where you think you can, how you think, because this is happening all over the place. Sure. I mean, you're talking about Michigan, Massachusetts, Delaware, uh, New New uh, New Mexico, heck, New Hampshire. I mean, it happens all over the place. And I have a feeling that this is just, a, you know, something that happens through affiliates all the time. Yeah. You know, where, what kind of vision can you give LP Georgia and other affiliates? I'm like, okay, how do we find a, a pathway out of this? How do we get back to working together? How do we get back to, to, to doing what we all want to do, which is, which is impact this country for liberty? Right. Well, we like to, we were calling ourselves the Get Shit Done Caucus um, because no matter what people identified as or, you know, whatever caucus they were in or not in, or most of us weren't in one, uh, we, we just work together. So, you know, when Mises people would come up and say, I want to start a county affiliate, I'm like, all right, here's the tools. Um, here's the training. Here's, our, you know, I, here, I'll train you up. And then here's your list. Make your phone calls. Do all this stuff. Like, here's what the plan is to get it, get it done. Um, so I helped a couple of them get county affiliates going. Um, and then, you know, when one of the things that I did was when we had new executive committees, I would call them all and say, what's important to you, you know, and try to figure out maybe what I should put somebody on. So if somebody's like, Oh, I really think we, our membership should be a higher. All right. Well, you know, you can be on the membership committee and come up with a plan. And this can be like your, your baby. Cause I think you should be interested in the things that you volunteer for. Um, a lot of the, a lot of Mises people were involved, wanted to be involved in communications. Um, so I would push them to write blog posts for us. Um, I, I did, we did a podcast for a little while. Um, and so we'd have them come in and do, um, segments on that. Um, and then we also do, um, oh, and, and then on social media, um, there was a little bit of a, uh, a little churn on that, uh, cause they wouldn't. I, I would push back on certain things um, and say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. And they, you know, they'd get mad and quit. <laughs> um, but the person who runs the social media now, I put him in place before I resigned. So, um, you know, I, I really was just like, what's important to you. Let's do it. Let's work together on it. Let's collaborate and make sure that like, we're all moving in the same direction. And um, I, I wouldn't take that back. Um, 
when I resigned, uh, I, re- I resigned because I was running running uh, for office, um, and that was taking up a lot of time. Uh, I was also having some personal issues going on at the same time. Oh, I still do. But um, I started having to look at what, what my workload was and say, where where's my biggest effort and my lowest return on that effort? <laughs> um, and chair actually was really high on that. It just took a lot out of me, and I spun my wheels a lot there. So I was like, you know what? Um, my vice chair, uh, he's competent. Like He's, he's, he's pretty good. Um, he can do it. I, I have faith in him um, and I can step down and focus on uh, my campaign and focus on um, training candidates. That was a big thing for me. Um, and so that's what I shifted into. Um, and so my vice chair was also uh, was Mises caucus. Um, and so I, you know, I was just like, well, um, we've been working well together, so this won't be a problem. Um the, where where it's become a problem is some of our outward marketing. Um, I mean, people know our our Twitter account. Um, they're they're kind of um, they're very crass. They've they've st- said stuff that is racist. Um, <laughs> they've done the anti-Semitic stuff. Um, and the people who run it, if you go to their personal profiles, they are dropping words that shouldn't be said um, and calling people names that should not be called uh, within the movement. And I don't know. I just you know, it's just where we've gotten to. And, um, I don't know. Uh, we got big plans to go to convention and change things. <laughs> it's all you can do. Well, I feel like, I feel like when I was chair, it kept the peace because, because people respected that position. Um, but as soon as I wasn't there, it was like done, just no more respect. Like the only reason I had the respect was because of the position. So, uh, and that, that kind of, that kind of sucks, but you know, we, there's a there's a good group of people in Georgia, um, including people in the Mises Caucus. Still, um, they're not all. I really want to stress that it it's not a caucus thing. It's a individual behavior thing. Uh, there are certain people who are behaving very poorly, um, and those that's what I'm against. <laughs> no, if anybody goes to to Ryan's Twitter feed, he'll t- he'll they'll see him talking about how you shouldn't you should never collectivize blame on people. You should be very very individualistic in what you in what you uh you know point point flaws or you know uh, issues with people it should be on an individual level yeah and uh, i make so mistakes I too point. like I, I will collectivize sometimes and then um there is there's one guy who follows me he's a lawyer um and he will be he'll be like some people some whatever because i'll say like republicans think blah 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 and he's like some republicans think that and i'm like i you know thank you you're right <laughs> No, no, no. You can call it. Listen, you, you don't collectivize libertarians. You can collectivize Republicans and Democrats all you want, Ryan. Come on now. I do often say Republicans in leadership, though, or like elected Republicans uh, think this. And, you know, I do try to do that because um, I, th- I think that part of messaging, when you say Republicans do this or I don't like Republicans, um, you're you're talking to people who identify as Republican or, or Democrat, whatever, you know, Um and so you're going to push them away necessarily. But as soon as you say like Republicans or Democrats in power or elected ones, they know you're talking about the politicians and they now they don't feel like you're talking about them. Now they now they know you're talking about that, you know, that political class. And a lot of them don't like the political class. So, <laughs> well, yeah, think about how much damage, you know, Hillary Clinton did by calling uh, calling Trump supporters uh, uh, degenerate or not to do yeah. uh, um, I forgot the word. You know what? You you made me lose it too. Uh, I what uh, despicables? 
No, Danielle, you muted. Uh, it's just degenerate I, in my brain now too. So I know, right now I can't get that word out of my brain because I don't remember why. What was it? With Despicables? I forget. But then they adopted that idea. They adopted that idea. Deplorables. 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 That's it. That's Deplorables. it. Deplorables. There we go. Wow, yeah, I could... wore that with a badge of honor. They started. Exactly. They started saying, "Well, I'm a deplorable." Yeah. Well, so did Hillary's people too, though. They had a their bitch label or whatever it was. I don't oh. remember. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that one. No. Uh, yeah. I'll look it up for next time. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, oh, nasty exactly. woman, right? It was nasty. Yes, women. nasty women. Yep, that's that's right. I do remember. I do remember that. I mean, that was so. It feels like it feels like remember. the Hillary campaign was so long ago. I mean, it was no, seven I, years I, ago. I, I see guess. like statements oh, from her, and I'm like, what is what you're? How is she still a thing? You're not retired. Like, what is this? You should be taking care of your husband, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> Oh goodness! Yeah, that I I don't I don't understand how they they're like a bad politicians these days are just like bad pennies they just won't ever go away. I mean, think about it. We've got we've got Joe Biden, and we'll probably end up with a Biden versus Trump again. I just oh, it makes you sick to your stomach. It's like this is this is the best we've got. I mean, I, I think that I think that if you know to some degree it should be encouraging, right? With libertarians, we see all these young people. They're not getting into the Republican Party. They're not getting into the Democratic Party. They're not getting involved in the political process because they see that it's rigged. They see that it's it's you know not going to serve their interests. We we've got to figure out steps to actually take advantage of that because they know that the Republicans and Democrats are basically the same thing. So we got to figure out the solutions and the and the and the um, the way to attract them into the party into the into the liberty movement. If we right. you know if we don't do that, we're kind of dead in the water. Yeah. Got to be more more welcoming, uh, in, in in my eyes. Um, you know, the other thing that I like to talk about a lot is that we should be more big tent. Um, and I call, wow, that was a big thunder. Uh, God, I don't know if you guys could hear that. It scared me though. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I think that we're a big tent, and I think we go all the way from anarchist to constitutionalist and everything in between. Um, and I know a lot of people would argue with me about constitutionalists, but I think they're more than welcome. Um, if we ever got back to a constitutionalist form of government, we would be, I mean, that, it would take most of our lives to get there. Um, I mean, that would be such a huge win for libertarians. And then they could peel off and go do their own thing. You know, if, as soon as we're, you know, we're, they're like, oh, you know, anarchists and minarchists and uh, classical liberals, they're uh, a little too much for me. I'm going to leave now. And like, we, now we work together, you know, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I Well, the other thing too, is we, we kind of spend a lot of time about about the you know the spectrum of libertarianism, but the other thing too is we need to we need to understand that not all, all we not all vote our voters don't need to be libertarian. Our politicians need to right. be libertarian who are putting up on the public stage. Those need to be solid libertarians. But we need to be able to attract non-libertarians. Otherwise, we'll never win an election. Right. So we need to be very careful when we're saying that we're talking about you know our spectrum of libertarianism. Yes, we should make sure that the party and the party you know involved members and our our our, our candidates are true you know the real real libertarians. Uh, but we need to be able to attract non-libertarians. We need to go to those special issues and say, we can agree with you on this issue. Let's let's get let's get pot legalized. Let's get school choice passed. Let's get these 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 uh, common issues that we can that we can partner up with other people on and bring them in to get them to vote for us. We should be we should be attracting everyone across every political spectrum with whatever issue we can that they agree with us on. Yeah, I, I also think that um, there's there's a way of selling libertarianism to people, um, whether you're talking to somebody who is traditionally a Democrat or traditionally a Republican or, you know, left or right leaning. I, I really don't like left and right, but um, 
you know, if they speak those languages, you sh- you need to be able to f- talk about libertarian in their language um, and and really like appeal to what they are accustomed to. So you might talk about you know racism um, and with with like somebody who's more traditionally leftist. Um, you might talk about like how the government um, and s- systemic racism and all the, you know, you start using some of those buzzwords to talk about your libertarian ideas. It doesn't mean you're not being a libertarian. It means you're talking to them in their own language so that they can be more welcome to it. Um, but also just, um, I, you know, I have seen some libertarians um, get away from their principles when they're trying to to appeal to some voter base and they will say things that aren't libertarian at all. And I just think that we have to give more thought to how to make the libertarian ideas appealing, not, not get rid of the libertarian ideas to appeal, but like find a way to make those libertarian ideas appealing to some group or, or whatever. And that's possible. It's doable. I remember Larry Sharp talking about, um, you know, privatizing the the bridges in and out of New York city, uh, and making like, you know, Pepsi sponsors, uh, one of the bridges or something and they get to advertise on it and whatever. But like, you know, now you don't have to, the toll and now you don't have the taxpayers doing it it's pepsi paying for it or whomever i think that's you know it makes sense yeah i mean listen you can talk to any i mean danielle you're on the you're on the 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 west coast i mean you can talk to people about nimbyism or yeah yimbyism out there and about how that's a, a huge impact on house you know cost of housing you know i think that you know you can get to a republican and a democrat in a room and they can talk all day past each other and they'll never find any commonality or they're always attack each other with a libertarian and either of those and either of those you can find commonality you can say we want to solve the same problems that you do we can go to the democrats and say we want to solve how how the price of housing we right. want to we want to solve the war on drugs we want to solve you know systemic racism here's how we should here's how you can do it right, right? you know your politicians have had the opportunity for you know a past century to solve these issues and they haven't and then with Republicans, we can go look at them and say, we, you know, we agree. We can, the, the government shouldn't be dictating what's being taught in schools. We agree that we should, uh, that you, you should have the right to own a gun. There's other, there's these issues that we can agree with them on and say we agree, but here's the here's the solution, you yeah. know. And so we can we can actually provide solutions to both Republicans and Democrats, uh, whereas they don't ever provide solutions to each other. They just talk past each other. They they, they claim <laughs> yeah. that the other person is like the Republicans are claiming that Democrats want to take their guns or Democrats are claiming that Republicans want to want to indoctrinate their children, whatever the situation is, <laughs> right. they're just going to be sitting there accusing each other. Whereas libertarians, we have the opportunity to kind of get in the middle of the culture where and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a solution here and both yeah. sides can be happy with it. It's called letting getting government out of all individual choices. Oh, then, have- then, you, then Republicans don't have to care what Democrats do and Democrats don't have to care what Republicans do. We have one thing in common with everyone. It's that we think the people that they don't like also suck. <laughs> Generally speaking. Yeah. This is, yeah. Um, I, I did actually get a lot of good um, feedback when I would, uh, I tweeted this out a lot um, over my campaign and afterwards, but um, that if you don't want something politicized, don't put politicians in charge of it. Uh, people get all upset. They're like, education shouldn't be political. I'm like, stop. Don't put politicians in charge of it then. They shouldn't be public schools. I mean, that that's that's the argument against public schooling is that you're putting politicians in charge of it. Educators should be in charge of it. Parents should be in charge of it. Students. I mean, I do self-directed education with my kid. So my student's in charge of her education um, with some guidance. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, that 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 resonated with people quite a bit. 
Um, there's another example I had when I first moved into my neighborhood. Um, so my neighborhood was being kind of is kind of a gentrification type situation, uh, traditionally black neighborhood uh, with a there was a develop developer moving in. So it's where the Braves used to play. Um, and so when they moved out, then a developer and Georgia State University bought a bunch of the land. And there were people out there um, protesting the developer coming in and building up the area, um, which I think is like, what, don't you want like the grocery store and the shops and the restaurants and all that stuff? Like, that's nice to have, right? Um, this place was a ghost town before. And, um, and so they, you know, they get mad at it and I'm, and I'm saying, or they're getting mad at gentrification and the, and then the development company. And I went down to where they were protesting and I said, you know, what's the, what's the problem here? Like, what is the, what is, what is the result that you guys are not, that that's not good, you know, and it's displacement. Um, it was, it's people being moved out of their own houses. And so what ends up happening is when the development company comes in, they build up the area that increases property values, which increases property taxes, which people that have had multi-generational homes are not used to paying um, anything for their house. And all of a sudden they've got this giant tax bill and they can't even afford it. And so now they've got to, they've got to move out. So that was one of them. Um, so of course we have a great answer to that, right? That's not the development company's problem. That's the prop, that's a property tax problem. Um, let's, let's, I'll, I'll march with you to talk about property taxes. <laughs> like where are we, mar where are we marching? Let's, let's do it. Um, and the other, the other major thing that they were complaining about was eminent domain, the use of eminent domain uh, for the use of development. So Georgia allows, um, allows uh, the government to eminent domain property and then sell it a year after to private interest groups. So they don't even have to sit on it for very long. Um, but that's happening all over my neighborhood. Uh, eminent domain, the city, the state, everyone is like taking people's property. And I'm like, I'm, I'm completely anti that. I'm, I mean, like they should make you an offer. And if it's not a good enough offer for you, then you get your property. <laughs> like that's all there is to it. They don't get to decide what it's worth. Especially if it's not for like a community thing. It's a private developer. Like it would make more sense if it was like to save a rainforest region. So like we just really <laughs> need this area, guys. But they did. Uh, so there was one, uh, there's a big, big uh, to do around here because they wanted to eminent domain um, in like this floodplain. Um, so there's really bad flooding in my neighborhood, not where I am, which is great. It's all because I'm a little up the hill, but at the bottom of the hill, there's really bad flooding problems. Um, but they wanted to put in like a Japanese garden or something, but they were going to take like this whole, this whole street's worth of um, old, old multi-generational homes, you know, people who have had their house paid off for a long time. Um, they actually had a housing group come in and, and come up with a, 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 another option to fix the flooding, right? So they were like, hey, here's an alternate plan that doesn't have you taken our property. Um, and the city just was like, nope, we want it. And we want that Japanese garden. And they, there was this big fight. Um, and I don't even know where they're at with that right now. I haven't heard a lot, which makes me worried. <laughs> well, I think that, <clears throat> I think a lot of those, you know, we talk about systemic racism. I think that that plays into a lot of this because you have a lot of these policies that are designed to force poor blacks out of their homes. I mean, anybody who wants to, you know, you should look up redlining. If you've never looked up the practice of redlining where cities would basically draw a red line through a black neighborhood and no, that's where the highway goes. It was intentionally designed to split black neighborhoods apart uh, and, and, and try to get them out of their city because they weren't wanted. Um, and so that, that, <clears throat> 
so that that is you know we've got these systemic issues in our society that that play out and still today i mean you've still got part of those property taxes like you're saying people aren't used to paying these they their area gets built up and then they have to leave where they've been for generations. I think it, it, you know, we have to, I think we as libertarians, sometimes some of us seem to kind of, to kind of dismiss the idea of systemic racism because we, we hear the charge of racism all the time. It's racist. That's racist. This is racist. And so we, we dismiss it, but in reality, the government things are doing racism <laughs> for a long time. So we have to take that into account and it's okay to message to that and right. tell people, yes, the government's been racist for this whole time. Let's not make more government. Let's get yeah. less government. Let's that is a money. reason to be a libertarian so that exactly. they can't use exactly. their monopoly on violence to further this racism that ends up happening. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I don't even think they, they mean to necessarily. Like, you, right. you, you see, like, minimum wage laws. Um, minimum wage laws were created in the first place as, a, a you know, racism. It, it was meant to keep um, people who did not necessarily have, um, I, I don't like saying unskilled labor, but, like, low-skill labor, you know, entry-level labor. Um, was a lot of it was a lot of black people at that time, and they were like, "We can decimate the workforce, their workforce, by saying you must pay people more than they're willing to pay a black person." And um, they were on the record. I mean, they 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 were excited about this plan uh, because back then it was okay to you know say things like that out loud, and they did. And but now it's like a you know a Democrat rallying cry, uh, minimum wage, and I'm like, but you know what it does, right? And like why it was there, and you know I don't think that they are, I don't think they're meaning to do that. I don't think that is their plan anymore. I think they think it's a good idea, um, but they they don't you know it's unintended consequences. So it's the scene and the unseen, right? Oh yeah, the, yeah. you have to you know judge a, judge a policy by its results, not its intentions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I work for a local small business. There are five of us, two owners, three employees, and the employees actually make more than the owners because of minimum wage. Like I make a the I make a tipping wage and it's still more than the owners. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty wild. Um yeah, where can people find you, Ryan? What are you doing these days? Where should people look for you? Um, well, I, I, you know, I'm not doing, uh, I actually was political director for a little while for LP Georgia. And I, I recently resigned on that, um, due to some, um, differences, opinions with, with current leadership in LP Georgia. Um, they made it, made it clear to me in no uncertain terms, they did not want my help. And so I decided not to anymore. Um, but there are still leaders who I, I do help. Um, and so I've been helping out some of that um, with some some side work and organizing to, you know, have a much more welcoming uh, leadership team. And then um, but but mostly I'm on Twitter right now. <laughs> so my, my handle is at Graham for the number four GA. And, um, you know, I try to I try to be more positive on there. Um, I try to say, you know, not not. I don't know. I try to not comment directly on you know, our stuff, our drama, our, our internal party stuff. I, I hesitate to call it drama at this point. Cause I think it's escalated a little past that, but, um, I will like subtweet <laughs> a lot. Um, so, you know, somebody, somebody acting poorly will give me an idea about a tweet. Cause it'll be more like, uh, you know, this is how we should be acting. And it's not, I don't directly criticize anybody. I'm just like, Hey, it'd be really cool if more of us didn't do this. Uh, or, or or did this exactly, uh, and then you know just talking about policy around Georgia mostly. I like I like uh, listening to Georgia politics stuff, and I usually have some kind of comment on whatever the happenings are. So, but that's where I'm most active right now. 
Right on. Jonathan, you are muted. Oh, I, I, I was muted. I did. I pulled a Danielle. Uh, no, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Ryan. I just throw yeah. her under the bus there. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Ryan. Appreciate your time. It's uh, it's kind of it's always interesting to hear what's going on around the country and see how things are going. So I appreciate you coming on. No problem. Yeah. Thank Thanks you, for having me.